Book one in the Sophie Hardy saga, Sophie Hardy and the Internet Implant, is now available to buy from Amazon in paperback, hardback or downloadable in Kindle form. If you would like to purchase any of these, then either search on Amazon or visit our website, www.sophiehardysaga.com. Sophie Hardy and the Internet Implant by Emma Dale, narrated by Leona Hall. Chapter 29. What? Yasmin nearly fell over with the shock of what was in front of her. Clara put her hand over her mouth to keep in the scream she wanted to make. Sophie just stared at her friend. Katie looked round at all three of them and the worry and fright leapt out from her eyes. The first to step forward, Sophie went to put a hand of reassurance on her friend's shoulder but then pulled back. Katie's uniform was muddied and her hair was estate. She was also sat with one foot under the other, almost like one of her legs wasn't there. It looked frighteningly uncomfortable to Sophie, but that was the least of her worries. After carefully thinking about it, Sophie plucked up the courage to talk first. Her brain had so many questions to ask, she hadn't known where to start. Katie, what are you doing here? Sophie asked with as much understanding and reassurance as she could muster. Katie looked Sophie square in the eye and again cleared her face of tears. I don't know. Okay. Why are you here? Sophie asked. Shuffling in her chair, Katie looked at the ceiling and took a deep breath. <sighs> Mr Houghton told me that this is what I had to do. Sophie, Yasmin and Clara looked at each other and tried to process what they were hearing. The screams outside had faded due to the soundproof walls. As such, the room was eerily silent. What do you mean? Clara asked. What did Mr Houghton tell you? Clara wasn't sure exactly what Katie knew about anything the girls had lived over the course of the week or how much she knew about why she was where she was right now. Mr Houghton said that he'd spoken to my dad over the implant. I haven't heard from him for years, but Mr Houghton said that he had contact with him at school and wanted to, possibly, maybe, want to see me again, Katie sniffed. Sophie, Yasmin and Clara began to shift uncomfortably where they stood. Yasmin could stand no more and rested her arm on the side of Katie's chair. Clara pushed her hair off her face and held her hands on top of her head. Sophie probed for more. Then what? The week went on. I spent the afternoon at school with Mr Houghton and a few of the children the afternoon of the blackout. When you both went home, he told me that he'd spoken to my dad again and that he was interested in coming to see me, but that you becoming famous, Sophie, had put him off. Mr Houghton said that my dad didn't want the friend of a famous child. He wanted a daughter he could be proud of, someone who'd done something world-changing. Katie looked at Sophie, not with anger or jealousy, but with calm eyes. Getting this off her chest was clearly helping. Mr Houghton said that if I were to do something for him, it would make me stand out, and that my dad would love me even more, and that he would want to see me again. What did Mr Houghton say? Yasmin asked. That by coming here and pressing these buttons, in the correct order at the correct time, I would free some people who'd been wrongly put in prison, and that the world would welcome their return. Some agents or something... He said it was my duty, and that I would be as famous as you, Sophie, like my dad wants me to be. I did try and tell you this morning, but you ignored me again. I wanted you to come with me and help, but you didn't want to know. Sophie stepped back in horror. Mr Houghton had lied to Katie in an effort to get her to release the prisoners, and the three of them had ignored her. Sophie thought about it logically. If you release the prisoners, someone has to put them back. To capture them and put them back would require agents trained in missions like that. That was it. If all the prisoners were set free, then King would have no choice but to release the agents because there was no way the three girls would be able to deal with all of that by themselves. This would mean that Dale Nathan would get what he'd always wanted. He could go public and earn admiration for everything they did. 
What kind of monster would manipulate a shy ten-year-old girl who just missed her dad? What was it Miss Sissons had said earlier, one of the most dangerous men in the known worlds? Sophie could now see clearly what she had meant about the lies and manipulation. How did you get here? Clara asked. The other day, when you all left Mr Houghton's office during lunchtime when you had to stay in, I was left behind while you went back to the classroom. Mr Houghton gave me the information on getting here, how to get in and what to do once I was here. It was all pretty easy. I tried to tell you, but you kicked me out of the classroom. Then I tried to say something this morning, but you weren't bothered. Katie was relaxing even more. The familiarity of her friends had calmed her immensely. It alarmed Sophie that to Katie this was relatively normal. But where are we? asked Jasmine. I mean, I know we're in Zapfor, the most dangerous prison on the planet, but where exactly is it? I don't know, Katie replied. I can't really remember getting here. It's all a bit hazy. I think I was brought here. How did you get here? We aren't here. We're in Yasmin's room, Sophie explained. We're just projections of us, through our implants. Katie looked a bit disappointed. Since her friends had arrived, she'd thought, via some miracle, that she wasn't in this on her own. To find out that her friends were here, but weren't, upset her. So, I am on my own. You can leave whenever you want, Katie asked, disappointed. Horrified at what her friend was being forced to think, Sophie stepped forward again, determined to help her friend out after ignoring her so much. You are not on your own, Katie. Stop what you're doing and we can figure out a way to get us all out. Katie looked confused by this. She had no intention of stopping. Her dad wanted her to do this. He had told Mr Houghton and she wasn't going to pass up the opportunity to see him again. But, but what about my dad? She asked innocently. I want to see him again. Sophie, Yasmin and Clara looked at Katie. She had believed every word of what Mr Houghton had told her. A new problem now presented itself. How to convince her that she'd been lied to, that her dad still wanted nothing to do with her, but to do it in a way that didn't upset her so much that she pressed the button anyway. Sophie gestured for Yasmin and Clara to step away from Katie for a minute so that they could have a silent chat. Katie went back to pressing her buttons, which would unlock the prison and send the world into a type of chaos that it hadn't seen in a decade. In their ears, Miss Sisson's voice appeared. Girls, have you got Nathan? she asked. Not exactly, Sophie replied. As quick as they could, the girls explained the situation to Miss Sissons. Understandably, she wasn't entirely sure that what she was hearing was accurate, but she had no choice but to believe it. Katie was still sat at the screen typing away, following instructions that Mr Houghton had written and given her, still convinced that it was what her dad wanted. What are our options? Clara asked. There was a few seconds of silence over the radio while Miss Sissons thought, you've got lots, but all of them are bad. Sophie, Clara and Yasmin had already worked out that much. Give us all of them, Clara said. It was becoming clear that she'd done stuff like this before, in the weeks prior to Sophie and Yasmin coming along. She sounded professional, comfortable with what she was saying and doing. She wasn't phased at all. Sophie was absorbing it all in, but Yasmin was decidedly more agitated at the mess she had found their friend, who the three of them hadn't treated as one over the last few days in. One. You stop Katie typing. I lock the door. You three can get out, but Katie is stuck there and will be devoured by the prisoners once they finally batter the door down. No, replied Clara and Sophie, not even thinking about it. OK, two. Katie stops unlocking the door. The three of you stay with her and try to fight off the oncoming storm of mythicals when they break that door down. When you don't win, which you won't, the prisoners will have access to the control panel and there are plenty of characters in there who are capable of locking the door and letting themselves out. You three, of course, can get out eventually, but Katie will be eaten alive or killed in some other horrific way. Clara gave this some half-hearted thought, but again, almost immediately replied, Is there no way of getting Katie out at all? No. Miss Sissons decided to cut a long story short. Look, I could list other options, but the situation in a nutshell is, 
Those prisoners now know where the hidden control room is because they saw you open it. They are getting in there, like it or not. They will open the door one way or another. I can't keep them out. So, are you going to try and save Katie or are the three of you going to go and leave her behind? The three of them looked at each other. Their personalities and even their appearances had changed so much since the start of all this. Clara was a hardened, experienced head on a very young ten-year-old's shoulders. Sophie had the knowledge and experiences she had craved and was learning so much more than she could have ever have wished for. And Yasmin had grown in confidence so much that the flamboyant, over-the-top girl that appeared occasionally at school was so much more the real Yasmin now. There's no decision to make. We aren't leaving her behind, Sophie said with steely determination, really rising to the occasion and the needs of her friend. As Sophie finished, so did Katie. The banging on the door got slightly louder as the soundproofing started to fail. Dust was emanating from the door as it was about to fall off its hinges. There we go. Just the final secrets left to type, I think, said Katie, kicking back on her chair. Oh, my dad is going to be so proud of me. Perhaps he might even get back together with my mum. Sophie pursed her lips in anger and determination, thinking about how Mr Houghton had lied to and manipulated her friend, all in an effort to get what he wanted. She could stand no more, and having analysed the situation again, realised there was an option that would get Katie out unharmed, but also do the unthinkable to earth. Sophie didn't need to think about it, but she did need to tell Yasmin and Clara. She knew exactly what she had to do to save her friend, and she walked over to the back of Katie's chair, took a time dilator out of one of the drawers, and stuck it to the side of Katie's head. What did you do that for? Yasmin asked. It isn't fair to have Katie be responsible for what I'm about to do, Sophie said. Yasmin and Clara both looked baffled. I'm about to release all of the evils that used to cause damage all over the world. The stories, the nightmares that parents lived through are about to become real again so that we can save our friend. Dale Nathan's plan has worked and that he will get the mythicals released, but he won't get his agents back as only King knows where they are. It'll be up to us. Katie can't and won't live with that. All those times we ignored her this week. I'm going to have to put that right. I'm about to be responsible for everything that comes next. The world would have to face the consequences of me saving our friend. It took Yasmin a few seconds to realise what Sophie was talking about. Clara got there just before Yasmin and understood what Sophie was about to do. It was inevitable. They were never going to leave their friend. Not when her being here was partly their fault. They would never be able to live with themselves and in that moment they knew what they had to do. It'll be us against every evil imaginable, Clara said, resigned to the understanding of what Sophie was now about to do. We can't do it alone, Yasmin added, having also figured it out. We'll need others. Justice and Miss Sissons won't be enough. Sophie nodded in agreement. Yes, we will recruit and rebuild. But King and Nathan agreed one thing, and so do I. Children are the future. We will find others to help, and we will defeat anything that comes our way. Won't we, Miss Sissons? Of course, Soph, said the voice in her ears. Now, do it, because I can't hold that door into your room any longer. What about the force field around Earth? Yasmin asked. The code that Katie has put into that computer is the code to deactivate everything, Miss Sissons confirmed what she had suspected earlier. The three girls looked at each other, but nobody could speak a word. The mythicals were about to come back and the earth was about to open up to any aliens or mythical creatures that wanted it. At that, Sophie still couldn't see why that should stop her from saving her friend and so turned to the control panel. She looked at Katie's piece of paper and keyed in the last few instructions. It was, as Katie said, really simple and easy to do. As soon as Sophie pressed the final key, the banging noise stopped and a loud whirring sound took its place. It sounded like an enormous garage door opening. Waiting a few minutes to make sure the room outside was completely empty, they waited for complete silence. 
Eventually, between the three of them, they opened the door out into the prison again and Yasmin and Clara carried Katie out with her arms over their shoulders. Arriving in the large room that a few minutes earlier had been swarming with the worst the universe had to offer, it was now eerily quiet. Nothing remained. To the left of them, they could see faint sunlight through the enormous doors that had allowed the creatures to escape. They carried Katie towards the light and turned into it. In front of them, Sophie caught sight of the man with white hair and red eyes hobbling away from the prison. Condonar is coming, but Sophie will help, he kept repeating as he slowly shuffled off over the field in front of him and into a small group of tall trees. Before he disappeared, he caught Sophie's eye and nodded in acknowledgement of the help she had given. Neither Yasmin nor Clara noticed him as they were too busy helping carry Katie out. You can't save them all, he finally said, as he disappeared through the trees. Once the group had gone out through the main door, they were greeted by rolling green fields, a solitary road leading across the front of them, and the wood which the unknown man had walked into. Sophie also couldn't help but notice the gorgeous shade of light blue that was completely unfamiliar to her. It was like a filter had been taken off the sky, and Sophie was seeing it in its true colour for the first time in her life. Miss Sissons had already dispatched one of the cars that Sophie had seen on the shop floor on her first visit to Shadow. This would take Katie home to her mum. The three girls agreed to wait with Katie until the car arrived, put her in it, then take off the time dilator and let her sleep all the way home. The girls looked behind them to the prison from the outside, but there was nothing there, just vast rolling hills with the sunset on the horizon. Miss Sissons told them that there was another perception filter operating around it so that it could never be discovered. As the three sat on the grass and the sun finished its journey for the day, they discussed plans for the future and Miss Sissons sent some documents that gave information on what creatures had escaped. They sounded horrendous. For a group of ten-year-olds, it was going to be a monumental task. No adult would believe what had happened, even if they tried. They were in this on their own. King had gone, he'd taken Nathan along with him and the agents of Shadow, who were the only people specially trained at this. They had Miss Sissons, but they were going to have to learn everything as they went along, and fast. The incident with the Minotaur had helped, but Sophie couldn't help but feel that longer, harder days were ahead. They had reshaped the world with what they had done, and no one would ever know it was them. As the car arrived, they lay Katie down in the back of it and took off the time dilator. The three girls had been waiting for about two hours, but to Katie it was only two minutes. She yawned whilst lying on the seat and dozed off almost immediately. The car pulled off and the girls agreed to zone back into Yasmin's bedroom again. When they came round, standing there, waiting for them, were Amelia, Tom, Yasmin's dad, Nicholas, and Clara's dad, Matthew. Finished playing around with your new toys, have you? Amelia asked. Mum, I was going to tell you, Sophie began. Don't worry, dear. It's what you always wanted, and I couldn't be happier for you. Just don't waste all your time on it. There's a life out there to live, you know. Sophie looked at her dad. He was stood with his left arm across his stomach and his right hand stroking his jaw. Good trip? he asked, raising his eyebrows and talking in a tone that was normally safer when Sophie had done something wrong. The smile was wiped off Sophie's face for a split second, but it returned when Tom stepped forward and gave her an almighty hug and kissed her head. Time to say goodbye, for now, Tom told Sophie. Sophie turned and smiled at Yasmin and Clara, who just smirked at each other, realising that they weren't in trouble with their parents. Matthew took Clara's hand and gave her a hug. Fortunately, Miss Sissons had told Clara that she had implanted memories in her dad's minds about her getting an implant and that they were absolutely fine with it. Nicholas did the same with Yasmin. Come on, we need to get you home, Amelia said. What's the rush? Sophie asked. It's just come on the news, Amelia started. People are seeing objects in the sky, ghosts walking around cities. Some lunatics said they even saw a wizard turning someone invisible. Honestly, what with all this and the blackout earlier this week, 
It's like living 20 years ago. The smiles that had appeared on Yasmin and Clara's faces quickly disappeared. It was beginning and they were nowhere near ready. Just the three of them, taking it all on, they stood no chance. Are you two coming round again tomorrow? Yasmin asked through slightly gritted teeth, implying that the correct answer was a strong yes. Mum, can I? Sophie pleaded. Her mum nodded. Me too, Dad, Clara asked. Of course you can. You must have missed your friends terribly these last few weeks, Matthew replied, still a bit confused, having had his memories not lined up yet. I think your dad and I will have taken these implants out for a bit. They seem to have caused us no end of trouble lately. The girls all nodded at each other, hinting that they were ready to go. The three hugged again and Sophie and Clara made for the front door with their respective parent. Sophie got into her dad's car and closed her eyes. What had she done? She thought and thought but couldn't think of anything that she could have done differently. Her friend was safe but now the world was not. She could do something about the world now that she had an implant if she wanted but if she'd lost Katie then there would have been nothing that she could have done and that helped her a bit to relax more. The car pulled off and Sophie went home, exhausted. It was just starting though. It looked like it was going to be a busy weekend. The Sophie Hardy Saga was written and produced by Emma Dale and narrated and produced by Leona Hall. If you enjoyed it and would like to continue to follow the adventures of Sophie and her friends in coming episodes, then please subscribe through one of the many podcast providers out there. The links for each of these can be found on our website. If you require more information, visit our many social media channels or if you would like to purchase a hard copy of the book, then be sure to check out www.sophiehardysaga.com. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy. Thank you.